I want us to stay standing, and if you have a Bible, lift it up with me. Turn to Galatians chapter 3, and I need a teenager who's alive and passionate to come read this scripture with me. Come on. Here she is right here. I'll tell everyone your name. Bree. Bree. Give it up for Bree. She's going to use my Bible. All right, we're, we're at Galatians chapter 3. If you have a Bible, just open it, Galatians 3. We're standing for the reading of the word. We, we actually believe this thing is the greatest book in the world and that it's true. Come on. Yeah, 3, verse 26 right here, all the way to verse 29. And Bree, you got it. For you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. There is no longer, there is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male and female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus, and now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. You are his hearers, and God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. Come on! Awesome, Bree. Awesome. All right, stay standing. We're not finished yet. I'm going to invite Eric Morris up here, our youth pastor, to do a confession with us. And if you're standing beside somebody, would you grab their hand? We're going to grab hands, and we're going to say this confession together. This is a confession we believe in as a church. But also, we, we think that even if you're visiting today, this is a confession worth saying over your life. And that as you say it, we believe it's going to build faith in your heart and in your mind today. All right, let's say it together. I'm here on purpose. Because I have a purpose. My heart is open. My mind is ready to receive. Because God is not finished with me yet. My best days are right in front of me. I have victory in my life. Because Jesus lives in me. Amen. Amen. Well, give your neighbor a high five, a hug. Tell them they look so good this morning in their church outfit. And band, great job. Awesome job. Thank you so much. Cole, I want you to come up here. Cole Taylor is leading the worship for our 24-7 teenagers. But not only that, he's a student at Tulsa University and just has a heart to mentor guys just like he was when he was going through youth group. Cole, tell them what you're doing. Definitely. Um, yeah, just like you said, I saw those guys when I was their age, which wasn't very long ago, two years ago. But guys like Sean O'Nan and some of the other worship guys that really poured into me and touched my life and honestly wouldn't be the same person I am now if it weren't for them. Um, and I see that. I'm like, man, I want to do that for those guys. Um, I, I, want, I want to be someone that builds them up and pours into them. And especially those high school times where you're really insecure, um, really need some love, to be honest. Um, I just feel like that's, that's something I'm called to do, is just bring love to people and help beat these guys up, so. Awesome, awesome. Come on, raising up the next generation, and I'm so excited that they're here in service. Many sitting right here on the floor, make some noise, 24-7, TFS. Hey, those t-shirts they were wearing that says, how many of y'all were wondering what that means? It says Y-N-W-A, it stands for, how many of you guys, what do you think it stood for? <laughs> yeah. You never walk alone. You never walk alone. Everybody say, we family. I know that's not proper English, but here's, here's what we're talking about today. Paul was telling the Galatians church in chapter 3, he said, hey, y'all, we're family. If, we, if he was an Oklahoman, he'd say, hey, y'all, we family. And the truth is, during this series, we're talking about 
who we are before we talk about what we do. We started off the series talking about we are loved to love. Second week, we talked about we are the light of the world. Last week, we talked about we are brave. And today, we're talking about we are better together because we're family. We're family. Turn to the next person. Turn to the person next to you and say, we're family. And the truth is, we are family. No matter what your race is, no matter what your background is, no matter whether you've been saved for a long time or you just gave your life to Jesus, you are part of the family of God through your faith in Christ Jesus. You've been adopted into the family. And today, I want us just to open our hearts for what God wants to speak to us and, and let Him speak to us as we already confessed. And I'm going to lead us in a prayer. Before I do, let me tell you two things. This Wednesday night... If you can get here, if you're an adult, not a teenager, we have an awesome guest speaker from Australia that's going to be here preaching at 7 p.m. His name's Paul Gearling. Love this guy. He's coming here on his own dime. He's a, a frequent speaker at Hillsong, and he's going to be speaking on Wednesday night at 7 to the adults, but teens got an awesome service for all of them at 24-7, so if you know a teenager, get him there. And then this Saturday night, we got our Victory Bible College groundbreaking. Don't miss that. It's going to be awesome. Next Monday, golf tournament for the Dream Center. So lots of good stuff coming up. But right now, let's pray and let God speak to us on this word about family. Lord, we thank you for today. We thank you for your Holy Spirit in this place, already moving through the worship, the giving, and the prayer. And God, we thank you that tonight, not tonight, God, that today, Lord, you're going to move through this message. God, I submit myself to you. Lord, I pray that we would hear your voice, not mine. And God, that we would feel your heartbeat. That we would leave today refreshed, encouraged, challenged, renewed. And Lord, that we would know what to do. How to, how to live out this calling to be family as your church. In Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. Alright, well I need like 15 brave volunteers. 15 brave volunteers. Doesn't matter how old you are. Doesn't matter what your background is. Come on up to the stage. All right, we got a lot of young people. I need some older people. I need some older people. All right? If you're over the age of 60, come on up here. If you're under the age of 60 but over the age of 50, come on up here. If you just feel like coming up here, come find a place. There you go. Everybody say, we're family. I'm going to invite my wife and my mom and my grandma to come join them. They weren't going to move, but I want them to come up here. <laughs> Ashley told me before service, she's like, don't make me come up there. I'm telling on her now. All right. <laughs> Man, we're just family. And we just keep it real in this house. Can we just keep it real? No pretending. Here's the thing. I used to go to these get-togethers. And guys, we got some popcorn over there. Will you pass some of that popcorn and drinks behind you to everyone around you? Just, just feel like family. Ryan, let me help you up here. Give Ryan a big hand. This dude is su such a fireball for Jesus. And I love this guy. He's one of my brothers. But you know, I think about how I used to go to these get-togethers. Now, guys, don't, don't get lost. I need you to focus on the sermon, too. But I used to go to these get-togethers where we would, you know, everyone would be hanging out, drinking Mountain Dew. We weren't drinking anything else besides Mountain Dew, Sprite, Dr. Pepper. But we would have popcorn and chips and just hanging out at a house, just in high school, having fun together. But for some reason, yeah, you guys just have fun with each other. Just talk, hang out. I would kind of pull away. I don't know if you were like, like me in this, but these guys, they would be hanging out. They'd be watching football. Can we get some football up on the screens? Give these guys something to watch. Okay, there we go. Football in church. They'd be at these parties, hanging out, watching a football game. I'd come in, and I'd think, hey, hey guys, uh, nobody, nobody notices me. Nobody's, nobody's talking to me. And I'd get super emo. I would have these emo fests where I'd go into another room, and I'd look for the piano in the house. 
and I go sit down on the piano and just start singing a sad sob story. Poor pitiful me. Everybody's having a party. And I'm so invisible. I wish somebody would come into this room and hang out with me. Please be my friend. Does anybody know I'm in here? And it was, guys, it was ridiculous. I was having these emotional festivals by myself that nobody was coming to. And, and that was exactly what happened. Everyone would be hanging out over there. Nobody ever came in the other room to check on Paul. And, and you say, oh, that's sad. But see, the truth is, to have friends, you got to be friendly. And I didn't realize this. I was waiting for people to beg me to be their friend. But to call yourself a Christian and to not be a friendly person is really not fulfilling the calling of being Christian. Because when you decided to follow Jesus, you decided to put on new clothes, Paul said. And these new clothes involve you interacting relationally with other people. And we live in a world that's so relationally broken right now. We've got so many broken relationships in homes, but, but even in friendships. People easily offended, hurt, isolating themselves. Everybody say isolation. isolation. Leads to destruction. And here's, here's what the wisest man in the world said in Proverbs. He said, a man who isolates himself seeks his own ruin. And oftentimes, we pull ourselves away from the relationships that are waiting for us to come in. I remember at one of those parties, I, I finally, for like two hours, I was by myself. And finally, I realized no one was coming in the other room. And so I just walked in there. and I was like, hey, guys. And they're like, oh, hey, Paul. We didn't know you were here. I was like, <laughs> I wanted to go back to the other room. But I realized they didn't know I was there. It wasn't their fault. It was my fault that I hadn't come in to be friendly and to build relationships. And you say, well, what does this have to do about church? Well, what does this have to do with being a Christian? Jesus lived with this conviction that ministry really wouldn't mean anything if he didn't have relationships around him. Before Jesus did any miracles or started preaching any sermons, what did he do? He started calling disciples to come and do life with him. He started building a family. He got Peter and James and John and Matthew and he found Philip and Philip found Nathaniel and he said, come join the family. We're going to do this thing together because ministry is really not going to continue when there's no relationships that are holding it together. Even God himself built the world and built uh, humanity to be connected relationally. In our church, we have five vision pillars. We have worship, prayer, fellowship, the word, and evangelism. And that word fellowship there. As a kid, I didn't really get it. I didn't understand, you know, the five vision pillars. I was like, what does that mean? I don't get it. But the older I got, the more I realized fellowship really just means relationships. And the founders of our church believed that we couldn't fulfill the calling God had on victory if we weren't going to be relationally connected. You know, coming to church is one thing. It's great to come to church and sit in a service. And most people will come to church because either they like the worship or maybe because they live close to the building or maybe the word ministers to them or maybe a friend invited them. I don't know. But you stay in a church because of relationships. And not only do you stay in a church because of relationships, you stay connected to God's calling on your life because of relationships. You know, I heard somebody say that our uh, friendships determine the, the quality and the direction of our life. 
Our friendships, our relationships will determine the quality and the direction of where our life goes. Who are you surrounding yourself with? Who are you building relationships with beside you? And oftentimes we'll blame, well, uh, well, people aren't reaching out to me. Nobody even notices me. No one shakes my hand. No one knows my name. Well, are you reaching out? See, here's a, here's a real truth. We are responsible for the relationships in our life or the lack thereof. Your husband can't force you to be friends with other people. Your wife can't force you to get connected in this church. God can't force you to have friendships. Your parents can't force you to, to be friends with other teenagers. You can't force your parents to be friends with other parents. We as, as individuals, but as family members, we are responsible for ourselves to be connected to other people. We have to take that responsibility and realize not only is it essential to, to our health and growth and being planted in a church, but it's essential to our faith in God. If I didn't have relationships in my life when my father passed away, I don't know where my faith would be right now. See, the relationships we have help us through the storms of life. They help us stay strong when we're walking through a crisis. When you come into church and, and then afterwards, what do you do? See, I want to encourage you to have fun with each other after church. Go eat at Golden Corral with each other. Go eat at Kidoba. Go to McDonald's. Go play Monopoly with each other this week. Go do something with other people because it's so important that we don't lose touch with one another. Paul told the Galatian church, he said, listen, no longer is it slave and free, male and female, Gentile and Jew, we're family. There are no lines between us once we put our faith in Jesus. We live in a world right now that still is dealing with prejudice and bigotry. We live in a nation that's still dealing with racism. And we've got we've to be the model church in the world to say, hey, we can get along. We can love each other. We can sit by each other, go to eat with each other, have fun together, and not pretend. But really mean it. Really mean it. God wants us to love each other despite what we look like, despite our handicaps, despite our color, despite our background, despite our track record. Whatever it is, Paul says, get over it. Because once you put your faith in Christ, you are his brother. You are her sister. You are family. I love that part right there. But here's something interesting that happens. When, when we become family, and can you guys just hang out up here with me for the rest of the sermon? Is that cool? Let's just, just, let's just have a family, family time right here. When, we're, when we get together at Thanksgiving or Christmas with our families, something happens. We end up unintentionally kind of separating from each other. And this is what happens. I need, I need everybody who's under the age of 30 to get up from the couches if you're under the age of 30. And I want you to just kind of sit over here on these steps. And Miss Ashley's going to lead you over there, Pastor Ashley. And this is what we do. We put the little kids' table out. <laughs> now, I just graduated from the little kids' table like two years ago. And I'm, I'm like 30 almost. But... It's because there were so many adults at the table, and they just, you know, there was not enough room. And so over here, we got the adults' table. Come on, the adults' table is awesome. All right. This is what accidentally happens. And not only does this happen in, in homes at Thanksgiving and Christmas, this, this can accidentally flow into the church, where we kind of have, like, the big adults' table and then the little kids' table. Hey, hey, welcome to Thanksgiving. Go into the little kids' table. 
How old are you? We're going to card you at the door. <laughs> okay, you got to go sit with the kids. All right, now, you're old enough. Welcome to the home. You can sit at the big kids' table. And we do this thing, and how many of you guys know what I'm talking about? But what's happened in America especially is we've departmentalized churches. And we've unintentionally created little kids' table, teenagers' table, young adults' table, singles' table, married couples' table. And then, and then you know, I don't even know how, how we, I don't even know where we get to the next table from there. But it's time to bring the tables together. I remember sitting at a restaurant. We were all at different tables. We were on a missions trip, and they couldn't put us all together. We were all at different tables, and we, we proposed this idea to the waiters. We said, can we just push our tables together? And he was like, I didn't even think about that. <laughs> I was like, can we just all push our tables together? And, and so we created one huge, big, long table of all of us sitting together. So I want you guys to come back over here. We're going to create one big, happy, living room, family table. This is what we're doing every weekend service is meeting together as a family and saying, hey, it's neither teenager nor senior citizen. It's neither slave nor free. It's neither Jew nor Gentile. It's neither young adult nor, nor, nor older adult, neither single nor married. We are all one family. Come on. Somebody say, we're family. And so we do life together. As a family, number one, I'm going to give you four points on how we can live as a family in the body of Christ. Number one, we do life together as a family. We're better together because we are family, and as a family, we do life together. What does it mean to do life together? I'm going to invite Daniel and Renee Hook to come up here real quick. I love the Hooks. They, they've been coming to Victory for a long time. And they are connected here in the church. This whole idea of doing life together, being in fellowship and groups with one another, they get this. And I want them to just share real quick with you what this looks like in their lives. Um, well, right now, the group that I'm in, we've been meeting for about five years. And when you get involved in a group, um, the more you start coming, freedom starts coming into your life. You, get to, you start trusting like the girls that I'm in the group with, there is a complete sense of trust. And so when you keep coming and you keep sharing, you keep studying the word together, praying for each other. We've had women in our group tell things that they haven't told anyone. And it's brought freedom in their lives. And we have seen every one of us in this group has been transformed, just changed. It's beautiful. And we love a big church because a big church is a growing church. But one of the criticisms you'll hear is that people don't know each other and you're not connected. So our founding pastors and Pastor Paul and Ashley continuing this cell group, it's so important that you get connected because we need accountability. And we can't just come to church in a big group and think that we're connected. We have to have accountability in our lives. And these girls in my group, we know each other. We know when one of us is struggling and we're there to help the other. That's awesome. Daniel. Well, and I was thinking you were talking about family and I wasn't planning on sharing this, but uh, a few years ago we went through a, a big long process of adopting two little girls. And throughout that process, if it, if it weren't for the family and friends that we have here at Victory, we wouldn't have been able to do it. I mean, they helped us in so many ways. So not just in those, uh, the crisis times that you would think of, oh, yeah, they're going to rally around you, but just in a, in a wonderful time 
And even when we got home from the airport, there were hundreds of them there to greet us and welcome our daughters. And it was just a beautiful thing. And I'm, I'm in a business group with guys that like Mark Holst and Ryan Edwards who they're just solid. And I could, I could ask them for anything or go to them about anything and they would help me anytime, night or day. And uh, we just started uh, attending a marriage group uh, and uh, they're going through the uh, John and Lisa Bevere's new uh, awesome. marriage curriculum. And it's wonderful. There's a mix of Young couples have just gotten married, and then couples like us who've been married for a little bit of time compared to other people here. We've been married about 18 years, so, so or, or over that now. <laughs> so it's, it's great. We're just grateful. We're, we're grateful. Yeah. That's awesome. Give the hooks a big hand. You know, I love what they were saying there. We have group directories right out in the lobby. When you walk out these doors, when you go to any of the kiosks, you can find a group directory. And then this Thursday night, we're doing a thing called Team Night as a church. If you're not in a group and you want to get in a group, or you want to start a connect group, a home group, a prayer group, an outreach group, come to Thursday night, Team Night, 630, right in this room. It's going to be a chance for you to really get connected into the family. It's not a service. It's actually a, a great connection night to get to know each other. And then if you're becoming a member of the church, next Sunday we're having a lunch after the 11 a.m. service for free for those of you that just ready to join the family, become a member. I talked to a couple right before service who said, hey, we're, we're getting connected. We're becoming members today. And so they're going to come to the luncheon. But we're called to do life. Everybody say, do life. All right, I need some help. Can y'all help me move this, this pulpit? I want to sit down with you guys in the living room. I need two guys to just move this pulpit for me. And I'm going to come sit here with everybody and just hang out. We're just going to do life. Oh, yeah, you got it. Give him some, some power. Yes, you can. We're called to do life with each other. Ashley, where are you at? All right, someone hand Ashley a microphone. You got it? Ashley, what does it mean to do life? You might have to stand up. Okay. There we go. Uh, to do life together is to make memories together and have fun making memories. <laughs> fun party popcorn. <laughs> yeah. And yes, and to invite people, when you do life together, you have to have someone to do life with, obviously. So you have to intentionally invite people to things or join things that are going on. And so one or the other, invite or join people. I think that you learn how to do life together and have fun doing it. That's good. You know, my parents taught me that church is not meant to be endured. It's meant to be enjoyed. We're not coming together to all frown at each other and, 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 and just look at each other like we're in a funeral. We're, come to, we're, we're called to come together like we're at a wedding celebration. Come on. We're called to come together and smile and lift each other's burdens and bring each other down to the altar and say, hey, God's not finished with you yet. You know, you might have come in here today because you're walking through a funeral-like experience. But you're going to leave today with the joy of the Holy Spirit. You're going to leave today with the peace that passes all understanding. Because when you come to church, God's joy is in this place. His Holy Spirit's here. And we do life together. You know, Romans 12, 16 says this, that we're called to live in harmony with each other. Paul says, live in harmony with one another. And he says, don't be too proud to hang out with ordinary people. You know, we're all ordinary people. None of us are like... You know, these, I mean, obviously we're not of this world. Come on, Christians. But at the same time, we're all ordinary. And we're called to hang out with each other, do life together. That's the thing I love about this church is on one row, there's so many different people all sitting together. So many different generations, different backgrounds, different ethnicities. That's what heaven's going to be like. When you get to heaven, St. Peter's not going to be at the front gate and say, how old are you? All right, big kid's table. 
All right, you're at the little kids' worship service where there's a smaller throne and there's a different group of angels over there. Uh, what color are you? No, St. Peter's going to say, everybody, come on in. One big worship service, one throne. We worship Jesus Christ all together, boys and girls, black or white, whatever your past is, we're coming together. And what we're doing is we're, we're building his kingdom here on earth. People ask, well, why is victory the way that it is? Why haven't you guys tried to be more like one of the other churches in town? We're called to be unique. We're different. And we're not putting down any other church in town, but we're just different. And that's what I love about this church is God's called us to really be who we are, to be original, and to really not be ashamed or embarrassed about that, but to enjoy each other's company of all of us together, coming around with each other, sitting together in the living room. Number two, as a family, we help carry each other with comfort, celebration, prayer, and our presence. We help carry each other. Galatians chapter 6, verse 2 says we're called to carry each other's burdens. See, family members, we, we care for each other. Close your eyes for a moment. Don't fall asleep. But I want you to imagine with me a family that doesn't know each other's names. They never talk to each other. They never make eye contact with each other. They walk into their house and they go to the room with their headphones in their ears and they never even interact with each other. Now open your eyes. Imagine if that was a church. A church that never talked to each other, never bumped into each other, never looked at each other, never heard each other's names or listened to each other's worries or cares or prayed for each other. That wouldn't be a church that Jesus would be in. The kind of church that Jesus built was a church built on relationships. The church is meant to grow and function and expand through relationships. And relationships require time with each other. And carrying each other. I want my friend, uh, Sarah Lynn. I don't know where Sarah is at. Where are you at, Sarah? Uh, come on up here, Sarah. Uh, she's going to share with you. And Sarah, come join this group up here. Just come come be part of this team. I wish all of y'all could come up here, but then I wouldn't have anyone to talk to out there. So, Sarah, what has being a part of 24-7 meant for you, even in this whole aspect of carrying each other's burdens, praying for each other, being together with others? Well, at 24-7, like... I've been able to connect with really awesome godly friends. Um, like sometimes at school, I have friends uh, that go to other churches and so I don't connect with them as well. But at 24 seven, when we spend time together and pray together and minister together, we get connected and um, we have awesome leaders that are really encouraging and trustworthy. So that's great. Um, so like at 24 seven, I think the best part since I've been there, I've been able to do so many um, outreaches and I've gone on the missions trip. And it's so awesome because a lot of people think that a youth group is just like where teenagers go and say they're friends and like talk. But um, at 24 seven, like we're being trained in ministry and yeah. not just for the future, we have opportunities to minister now. Yes, that's awesome, Sarah. Give Sarah a big hand. I don't know where, where's Abby at? Abby, come on up here too. I want you to join us up here. Give Abby a big hand. In the last service, I was talking with Abby and she's had a similar transformation in her life from the relationship aspect and that praying for and celebrating. See, it's one thing to hear somebody's prayer request and say, hey, I'll pray for you. It's another thing when somebody says, hey, I just got a promotion and we just got a brand new boat. And you're like, 
I didn't get one of those. See, being brothers and sisters, yeah, come on, Eeyore. Being brothers and sisters, we're called to celebrate each other's victories. Not just pray for each other's tragedies, but celebrate each other's victories. And, and when somebody has a success, we say yes. That's what it means to carry each other, is to be there with each other when, when someone just needs you to celebrate with them. But then to be there with somebody when they're going through a crisis. Abby, tell them what it's meant for you, those relationships. Well, I've always grown up in the church and I've always been around ministry, but my faith has never been really there. I've never really had a real relationship with God. It's always been something that I was expected to have and I always just kind of, I guess, faked it and walked through it because my parents were connect group leaders and I've always just been around it. And I've been in the church, but I've never been connected. I always um, went to 24-7, but we just sat there, you know, we didn't really have relationships, didn't really go up for praise and worship and stuff. But this summer, me and my two best friends, we started going to 24-7 Connect. And once I walked in, I felt like I belonged there. The leaders, they were just so welcoming and so friendly, and they were just so happy to see you. They just squeezed you so tight, and they said they loved you. And I was like, how, why are you hugging me? Why do you love me? You don't even know me. But I felt the love, and I loved the love. It felt so great. And the relationship. And those good relationships, they started growing, and we went on outreaches, and it just felt so awesome to be around people that loved God with all their hearts, and it felt so awesome to be serving God and to be doing things. And I always thought that serving God and being a Christian was work and that I wouldn't be able to have fun. And for the longest time, I didn't even read my Bible. I didn't pray for like a year because I thought that it took away my childhood. It took away the fun in my life, and I wouldn't be able to do what I wanted to do. But being around these people and doing these things, I felt so free and it was so fun and it was so amazing. And I know that I'm not alone. And it was July 23rd, Paul was talking about um, turning the page and starting a new chapter in your life. And I felt like that was for me. So I asked my friend to go up to the front with me and she held my hand. And before we even got to the front, tears were running down my face. I couldn't even wow. see. And she, um, she led me down to the altar and we knelt down at the front and they were singing this song. And I could just feel God's presence all around me. And I could, my heart was just overwhelmed and overflowed with love and acceptance. And I knew that from that day on, this is how I wanted to live every day for the rest of my life. And I was never going back to how I used to live. It's awesome, Abby. It's awesome. You know, when I listen to Abby's story, my mind goes back to this time when I was on a missions trip and we were touring this city this one day and the missionary pastor who lived in that country, he took us to these beautiful cathedrals. Just amazing. I mean, just incredible, huge empty cathedrals. And I said, when do they meet for services? He said, no, no, they don't. I said, what do, you, what do you mean? What do you mean they don't? I said, when, when do they get together and have church service? He said, they don't. I said, why? He said, Paul, what happened was the people who were in these cathedrals got so focused on their style and so focused on their close-knit group that they didn't see a place for children in the church. They didn't see a place for teenagers. They never really saw the value and importance of raising up the next generation. And so as the old got older and passed away, there was no one to take their place. And he said, that's why they don't meet anymore. 
It's because there's no one left in this country in that religion that really wants to get together because they weren't believed in as kids or teenagers. And it reminds me why we do what we do. Why do we have 24-7 owns the weekend? Why do we have kids owns the weekend? Why do we bring all the ages together on weekend services? Because what we're doing is we're building this, the future. We're building the future of the church. And these teenagers are going to be the future of the church. These kids are going to be the future of the church. I remember hearing that story and crying. I said, God, I don't want to lose focus. See, when the kids came to Jesus, Jesus didn't say, get away from here. We're having an adult service. No, no. Jesus said, let the kids come to me. Let the kids have a front row seat. Let the teenagers get right next to me. The disciples, they didn't get it. They said, Jesus, Jesus. Religious people, we just don't do this. And Jesus said, well, I came to change religion. I came to bring relationship. I came to build a family that's not limited by generations or ages or colors or ethnicities or backgrounds. And so we comfort each other. We, we're there for each other. And we're building a family. I, I love that story, Abby. So powerful. But we also, as, a, as carrying each other's burdens, we have each other's backs. Turn to that person next to you. I got your back. Now turn to your second choice and tell them, I got your back too. <laughs> I remember when my dad got threatened by some bullies at school. And he came home and he told his brothers, Uncle Jack and Uncle Charlie. And there's Grand Grand right there. And Uncle Jack and Uncle Charlie, they were Billy Joe's older brothers. They said, these bullies, they were picking on you? And dad said, yeah. And so Uncle Jack and Uncle Charlie got their baseball bats out. And they went walking down the street. And they came to those bullies. And they said, if you want to mess with Billy Joe, you're going to have to go through his older brothers first. Come on. <laughs> I'm not telling you to go get your baseball bats out. We are Christians. But what I'm saying is when the devil tries to mess with one of our members, man, we, we get up there and we start, we start praying. This last week, we had one of our members go into the hospital. And you know what? First thing me and Ashley did, we called the prayer SWAT team. We got a prayer SWAT team in this church. Come on. The prayer SWAT team got out their machine gun prayers, and they started going, shooting the prayer darts at the enemy. But you know, I love that our church is just unafraid to just come out and say, hey, we got a prayer SWAT team. And when you're going through a crisis, we got your back. We're going to pray for you. We're going to show up when you're walking through a storm. That's what the church is meant to be. I'm almost done. Number three, as a family, as a family, we communicate honest and loving with each other. We communicate honest and loving with each other. Where's CJ at? CJ, what does it mean to communicate honest and loving with each other as a family? Well, I think it means, number one, to communicate, first of all, with God on a regular basis. I believe in early morning prayer. I believe that's the key to fellowship. I believe that's the key to communicating honestly, because when you communicate with God, then that day you're going to hear the voice of the Lord. And when you have an opportunity to speak to a family member, brother, sister, or a co-worker, or somebody at the quick trip at the cappuccino machine, okay, getting a drink, God will give you a word, and you can communicate to them honestly. Yeah. I think one of the things that sometimes is lost in family is when we need to address things. And we can address things in love. That's good. And you can use a scripture to address it. And the Bible says in Galatians, when you go to a brother or sister, go to them as you would want someone to come to you. And so I think it's important that we communicate to our family members and do it in love and do it scripturally based. That's good. That's really good. Do it in love. That's the key. Because when you love someone, you're going to correct them when they're doing something wrong. An open rebuke from a friend is better than a kiss from the enemy. You don't want someone that's just flattering you 
when you got a blind spot that you're not seeing and, and they're not bold enough or friendly enough to tell you and love you enough to say, hey, you need to deal with this attitude issue. Hey, you don't need to treat your wife like this. Hey, you need to stop doing that thing. I love you too much to let you get away with that sin in your life. We need friends, and we've got to be those kind of friends. We're not meant to do it harsh, like CJ said. We're meant to do it lovingly, with gentleness, with kindness. Not just coming in and rebuking everyone you know, but coming in with love and, and loving on each other and speaking. You know, another word for honesty is transparency. Just being real with each other. Romans chapter 12, verse 9 says, be sincere in your love. Be sincere. Be authentic. Be genuine. Be transparent. Be honest in your love for one another. Don't pretend. Don't fake it. You know, to, to build transparency and honesty, we have to have trust, you know. I think about how I can't be honest with someone if I don't trust that they're going to hold on to what I'm saying and not blab it out to all their friends, right? I heard uh, one person say, this pastor said, if you don't see it with your own eyes, hear it with your own ears, don't invent it with your own small mind and, and speak it out with your big mouth. That was pretty bold for that pastor to say it. Don't get mad at me. Get mad at him. I just was quoting him. But I was thinking about, you know, another, another friend said it like this. Don't tell me what they said about me. Tell me why they were so comfortable to say it around you. Ooh, hashtag boom. Don't tell me what they said about me. Just tell me why they were so comfortable to say it around you. In other words, do you have a magnet for gossip? Or do you have a magnet for trustworthiness? Can you be trusted with someone's transparent, honest communication with you? Can we be trusted as friends, as family members? We're not just friends, we're family. And so we've got to learn, you know, <laughs> I don't want to say it. Actually, yeah, I'll just say it. You know those quotes from like those, those mafia movies? Like, hey, keep it in the family. Hey, keep it in the family. What, what, what they're saying here is when something happens to a family member, Learn not to just go blab it from the rooftops to everybody else that, that doesn't really have to hear about all the drama that's going on in your family. Learn to confront that person one-on-one. -on -one. Don't go tell a hundred people before you go confront, but be loving in your honesty. Be loving in those communication moments. I want the band to come up as I get ready to close out here. We're called to be loving as we communicate with each other. Everybody say, I'm getting off the gossip train. We're not meant to be a church that gossips about each other's problems. We're meant to be a church that prays for each other's problems. And don't call a prayer meeting just to gossip about each other's problems. <laughs> prayer meeting, prayer meeting. Did you hear about Susie? We just need to pray for her right now because she's struggling. You know what I'm talking about, those comedians that talk about us, how we pray as Christians for, for each other, but it's really just a gossip session. We need to be the kind of Christians that when we pray, we're able to conceal somebody's issue but still lift up their burden and carry that burden. And the fourth point, as a family, this is what we do. As a family, we are unconditional forgivers. We forgive unconditionally. See, I look at the people who've been in this church longer than 10 years, longer than 15 years, and I give you major props because to stay in a church that long means you've got to be a pretty good forgiver. It is so easy to get offended I mean, you could get offended and go to a different church every week here in Tulsa and still not have visited all the churches by the time Jesus comes back. <laughs> There's probably at least a thousand churches in our city, just for real. So you've got to make a decision. Where has God called me to be planted? 
And I've got to get that rhino hide, thick skin that I'm not going to be easily offended at my brothers, at my sisters. I've already decided as your pastor that no matter what you do to me, I'm going to forgive you. And I'm inviting you. Because I know you're human. Yes, you're a Christian, you're saved, but you're still a human. You still have flesh. And as your pastor, I'm human. I have flesh. Which means there may be times that I offend you. And I ask you to forgive me ahead of time. I'm going to forgive you ahead of time. I ask you to forgive each other ahead of time. To be in a church and be planted like Eric was talking about. To be trees that bear fruit in old age. You have to learn to forgive on a daily basis. Peter said, how many times do I have to forgive my brother John? How many times do I have to forgive my fellow church members? Seven times. Can, can we just make it seven? And then after that, we kill them, you know? Jesus says, no, 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 no. Not seven, but 70 times seven. In other words, don't put a limit on your forgiveness. Paul said in Ephesians 4.32, forgive each other as Christ forgave you. This series, we've been talking about living in the overflow, that we are loved to love. We are forgiven to forgive. God forgave you when you messed up. How many of you needed God's forgiveness at some point in your life? The people around us need our forgiveness. Let's be a merciful church. Let's not be a church that picks up stones every, every time somebody sins. Jesus stood between the stoners, not like the stoners, but the, the stone. Don't be a stoner or a stoner. But Jesus stood in front of those people that were accusing the woman that was caught in adultery. And he said, hey, you with no sin cast the first stone. And with that, each one of them dropped their stones. And Jesus knelt down to the woman that had messed up and he said, where are your accusers? Neither do I condemn you. Now go and sin no more. When we forgive our brother or sister, it doesn't erase. It, it does erase. It doesn't make what they did okay, but it just means we're not going to let that affect us or our heart. We're not going to get poisoned with bitterness or grudges by another family member. You know, you're here today because you've forgiven somebody in your life. I want us to stand up on our feet all over this place. We are family. We are called to do life with each other. Thank you guys so much. Y'all can find a seat. Give these guys a big hand for just sticking it out up here with me.